You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Britain. I'm your host, Chris Tetrock Blay, and thank you so much to everyone who has listened in to the episodes that I dropped on launch day. Um, the, in particular, the Mary Rose episode looks to have been a particular hit. So, I've got more to come from the Portsmouth Historic Dockyard. Um, since you guys who are listening seem to find that one quite interesting, um, I do too. Like I said in the episode, there's so much I could do there, but. Uh, for the purpose of today, I'm coming a little closer to home again. In one of the episodes of many, I would imagine, that I can do on the magic of Dartmoor. <coughs> so this past weekend, I visited a particular spot upon Dartmoor that I haven't been to for a number of years. And one that I, I, I did know sort of a vague history of back then, but I kind of, you know, because outside, out of mind, I suppose, because I've not been up there. I um I had sort of forgotten. Um so it was great to go back up there and um only about twenty minutes away from where I live in Newton Abbott, sort of a twenty minute drive, um four miles northeast of the village of Widdicombe, which most people will know from the obviously the very famous um folk tale of Widdicombe Fair, is Houndtor. So the beauty th- beautiful thing of Dartmoor is all these tours they've got um you know they uh, locally they do the 10 tours challenge um where you know you can you, you walk between all all the tours basically across Dartmoor and yeah one of those tours is is Hound Tour also known known as Hundatora um it is said to be named mainly after the shape of the the, the ragged silhouette of the of the rock crest of the tour and from certain angles it is said to resemble a pack of hounds um obviously giving it the the name hound tour and part of its legend is actually that um the tour was uh, was once a pack of hounds that was that belonged to Bowerman who is a mighty hunter and he's actually got there's actually a rock formation dedicated to him as well called Bowerman's nose um very close by as well so the yeah the 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 story is that the uh, hound tour itself was actually um Bowman's pack of hounds um who were turned into stone by a wicked witch that in itself is a reason to go up there but sort of not just steeped in folklore is this particular location but also it's got a a, a particularly historical um relevance as well in if you if you visit the actual the rocks of the tour the tour itself hound tour um and your short walk down behind it um so about a 10 minute walk from the the main car park at hound tour you'll actually find there is a deserted medieval settlement there that you can that you can see and it is actually um falls under the english heritage um currently 
and the this deserted village um, was actually excavated in uh, 19 in around about the 1960s and it's believed to have been in an area that was farmed in the Neolithic period um, and I, I believe it it was around sort of the um, the, the the time of the Norman conquest I think um, it was sort of given over as land and actually has a listing in the doomsday book as well as early as 1086 and this particular uh, medieval village it was listed at that time to have been home to six households seven cattle 28 sheep 18 goats and ruled by a certain lord reginald now the the remains of the village as you can see them um, if, if you go to them now um, consist of four long houses um, there are three barns and there are three other buildings there that they've as yet I believe not um, not fully identified as to what they would have been um, but the interesting thing about the long houses is um, sort of back in this day that they were built um, the obviously it was it was on land that was being farmed even though it's quite harsh conditions up there this was a time apparently where they they were turning to land that that um that was a little bit more sort of temperamental i suppose to uh to to farm on and the 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 farmers were obviously very um protective of their their cattle obviously it's their you know their livelihood so they actually shared the longhouses with their with their cattle uh, there'd be the family at one end and there'd be the cattle uh, at the other end of the house um, some, some sort of partition in between but it was so the, the cattle were kept safe and warm uh, obviously you know protected from the harsh conditions outside and um, I feel you know from my point of view one of the more interesting aspects of the history of this particular settlement is um, is there is no no record really of what actually happened to the the inhabitants there apparently it was um it was farmed up to there's records to suggest it was farmed up to about 1350 um maybe into the early 15th century possibly but then past that the village itself was completely deserted and you know from an author point of view I could start piece together my sort of weird and wonderful ideas as to what may have happened um, there, there's a few theories that's bounded around about what would have happened to um, to the people there you know why their their existence almost just seems to come to a grinding halt and disappear um, so looking at the timeline it could be linked to the great famine of 1315 1317 um, which obviously the the harsh weather conditions particularly the um, where they would have been geographically you know would have been it, it's, it's a lot higher a lot more exposed it would have been like today um, susceptible to a lot more sort of extreme weathers so you know around about that time when you know harsh conditions were leading to uh, lower crop yields you know and and um which led to inevitably the 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 famine it could have been a reason why uh, the people may have moved away 
from that area or, or simply you know succumbed to um to you know to any illnesses and that 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 were linked to to that that sort of time um the other one is is more closely linked to the black death um the first reports in england of the black death arriving was around 1348 which would correlate quite nicely with the last records of this area being farmed in 1350 um by the end of uh, the the black death's sort of existence i suppose it actually wiped out a third of Devon's population, um, which is unfathomable, really, when you think of that. So, yeah, I mean, e either of those could probably and did play a part in, in the reason why this this settlement was, was deserted and left. And, you know, it's, it's, it's great that you can go and see it and, um, you know, experience it for yourself even today. I, I also said to a friend who, who was up there with, it's, a, it's amazing that you can still see remains of buildings that were built that long ago you know the foundations uh, of it still intact and you consider how long houses and buildings they build today are going to be around for probably not sort of 700 years time and around this same sort of area is home to one of the one of my favorite of the the, the devon legends um of, of Dartmoor and um it's only about a mile or so probably less than a mile um northwest from Houndtor you will find um at a crossroads there is actually what is known as Jay's grave um many of you may uh may or may not know the the legend of, of Kitty Jay and Jay's grave I'll give you just a little rundown just a little flavor of it but it is it's it is the the piece of Devon folklore that um, that I first discovered, so it's you know it's always going to have sentimental value for me. But um, sort of around the late uh, 18th century, there was a a workhouse girl called uh, Mary, or um, affectionately known as Kitty J. She was employed at nearby Canna Farm, and as the tale goes, she was seduced by the son of the house. And so ashamed and despaired was she about this that she actually committed suicide. Um, and treated as a suicide, she was actually buried at a crossroads where three villages met. So n none of the villages would need to take responsibility for her, which is, is a horrible thought. But I, I guess you know, back in back at that time, it was fully accepted that that's what you did. Um, and all this the so she she was buried at this crossroads and it was it was the legend was treated more as as hearsay for for many years until in in eighteen sixty um someone did actually exhume or excavate the uh the grave and found there were bones um which they descend, um, determined belonged to a young girl so it gave more sort of credence to this to this stale and uh it's actually i mean again it's it's part of devon and dartmoor folklore it's one of the most famous stories you'll probably hear about and it's actually immortalized in seth lakeman's um famous song kitty J" from the album of the same name in 2004 and when i first moved down to devon properly in 2005 
Seth Leitman was the first folk artist I discovered while I was working at a music shop in Exeter. Um, had never really made an effort to listen to folk music. Um, someone put his album on in the store. I absolutely loved it. And it was this song, Kitty J, that really grabbed me. It's just him and in his violin. So powerful, so haunting. And then you listen to the tale that he's telling, which is, is, is this story of, of Kitty J. Um, it's, it is a heartbreaking tale, really. And, and it's such a beautiful song. And that was actually the point at which I... I became interested in um, storytelling in music, so songwriting or just you know tales that were being told, and it was it was Seth Leitman's Kitty J that that started that going. And one of the more mysterious aspects of this tale is the fact that on this grave at the roadside, there are always fresh flowers uh, laid on the grave, and to this day nobody knows who puts them there or how they get there um, there have been people actually stake out the site overnight um, you know finding the flowers you know older flowers more withering flowers on there before and then get up wake up you know the next day or and they find the flowers the fresh flowers there again they they they've never been able to to prove how they get in there and you know that to me is is just symbolic of the the magic of of Dartmoor and you know the mystery as well but um there's definitely definitely more to tell you know across I'm sure there'll be more of these that that look at Dartmoor but you know that is uh it's just the beginning I guess I'd like to thank everyone who is tuning in and enjoying Bite Size Britain so far please do continue to to listen in I'm aiming to drop a new episode every Tuesday and it's available on all your main podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And there'll be more added to that as time goes on. To follow more news about this podcast and my other shows, please do head over to my Facebook and Instagram pages um, with the handle at DMT Podnet. And that's uh, Dead Men's Tales Podcast Network. You'll find... Um, past shows that I've done for Dead Men Talk for Once Upon a Turnbuckle and um, obviously on those pages you'll find news about new episodes for Bite Size Britain when they land and sort of trying to garner some ideas for future episodes as well so please do get in touch if you've got any particular places that you feel deserve a mention and deserve an episode dedicating to them please do get in touch <laughs> Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.